0: Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Kate Carpenter with IHC. Today, I'm joined by Kristen Bunt and Cindy Shook with Sadaho, the South Dakota Association of Healthcare Organizations. Kristen is the Director of Quality Integration at Sadaho, and Cindy serves as an RN Improvement Advisor. Thanks so much for joining us. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about an opioid-related community initiative called CORE that Sadaho has become involved with. And Kristen, to start off with, can you share a little bit about the core program and how Sadaho became involved and where this funding comes from? Sure.
1: Like many of the other states, South Dakota received a opioid grant funds, several different ones. The most recent was the state opioid response effort grant funded funds that actually came through to our state's Department of Social Services, which is our mental health and some of our substance abuse and substance misuse um, lives under. And so they had received the grant funds federally back in September of 2018. Shortly before that, they had allowed stakeholders to provide more information on projects that could be used within the state for funding. And so Sadaho had of course been involved with IHC and the Hin projects related to opioid misuse and abuse and we had taken a few of our hospitals through opioid change the script project which was similar to the IHC version of opioid what was it called? Opioid Stewardship?
0: Yeah, similar to the Opioid Guardianship Program.
1: Yep, and so one thing that our Department of Social Services did was then once they were awarded, they went through those projects pretty thoroughly and really identified some of those key areas that SAMSA really wanted to hit. And so our project, the core project, was identified as an area that really kind of hit the prevention and further education and discussion portion of that. And so we were awarded through the state some of those funds, and then Cindy joined us to really head up that project.
0: Wow, that sounds really cool and like an amazing opportunity for your state. Cindy, what, what does CORE stand for?
2: CORE is Community Opioid Abuse Response Effort, C-O-A-R-E.
0: That's great. So it sounds like it's really about um, working on prevention efforts within the community. Can you kind of walk us through once you received award, what were the first steps you took?
2: Sure. So I began the process in February of 2019, and the first steps were to identify what resources were available in each of the designated communities that had been identified in the grant process. And so we looked at the different potential stakeholders and resources in each of those communities, such as what hospital do they have? Do they have a hospital What type of medical providers do they have? What type of mental health providers and addiction services do they have? Is there inpatient services or outpatient or both? Or is there none? And then if so, where, you know, what type of resources and where would they need to go if they should need that? But then we also looked at the resources uh, from the prevention standpoint, such as the schools, resource officers and prevention specialists that do education in schools and also community organizations. But then also looking at just the community in itself, such as the city councilmen and the Chamber of Commerce, law enforcement, emergency medical providers state's attorneys and drug courts, uh, different political leaders, and just in general, any interested party that lives or resides in that community that has a stake in the opioid epidemic and preventing that.
0: So a pretty comprehensive set of stakeholders in each of those communities.
2: Well, you really look at each community and they have, you know, everybody's got a policeman, um, but not everyone has a mental health provider. And so you really need to identify who is who is at, um, in, and should be around the table when you have any discussions in relation to that the topic. Cindy, about how many
0: communities are you working with?
2: Well, the goal was to originally look at 10 different communities, and we've amended that a little bit as we have discussed. the goal was to have initial stakeholder meetings in, in at least five of the first 10. And so, like I said, we've amended that a little bit. Some were better designated communities than others. And like, for instance, a few of our communities that were just in such close proximity to another larger community that there really weren't resources in that community. They all would have to commute, if you will, to the larger facilities. So we changed those a little bit. And then we also had a couple of communities that started to hear what we were doing and reached out to us and said, hey, you know, pick us. We're, we're interested in doing something like this as well. So we've added on to that list. And so right now I have had at least initial uh, stakeholder meetings in four of those communities with two further meetings coming up in the next few weeks.
0: I know in Iowa at IHC, through the Opioid Guardianship Initiatives, part of that program was bringing together uh, stakeholders for community meetings. What, from your perspective, what were the biggest challenges in trying to pull together that big stakeholder group in each community? What was the most difficult part, and did you find
2: that communities were ready for that or resistant to it? You know, it really varied by the community. I've had varied response in every one and kind of had to go a little bit different direction in each of them. For instance, uh, I had I have one community that the people that were on board immediately and wanting to work on it came more from the law enforcement standpoint and the drug court and that side of it. Where another community it was the medical people that the hospital that was saying you know I really am intrigued by this and, and I want to take help take the lead in it So it's really varied I even had one community that it was the Chamber of Commerce person that wanted to take the lead and helped me get things going So I you know the resistance I wouldn't say necessarily resistance as much as caution everybody is busy and has full plates and so can we add one more thing to our plate right now so it wasn't necessarily resistance as much as it was I'm really busy is this going to make a difference
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense you know as you've pulled together these four community
2: meetings what's your next steps with them so we had, like I said initial meetings in in four of them in three of these we have had follow-up meetings But prior to that, after the initial meeting, I sent out a a post-meeting survey saying, did you feel this was valuable to get the stakeholders around the table? And just to back up, I did have with each of those meetings between 15 and 25 people that did attend the first meeting. So just the attendance in itself, I really felt was a plus and a win. And resounding in those post-meeting surveys then was, yes, we do feel that it would be beneficial to have further meetings, as long as it's a meeting that we're doing something and not just talking. And so, you know, just having really uh, focused conversations and where do we go from here. So three of those communities, I have had those follow-up meetings. And from there, we've even developed a Uh, we're starting to work on a model that we adapted from the SIM model. So it's an evidence-based model that we are working on and breaking down into subgroups of where a substance abuse disorder person would intercept into the different stakeholder avenues in that community and breaking that down. So those subgroups are response, prevention, treatment and recovery. And not to say that they're necessarily in that order or that they always go in that order, but those are just kind of the subgroups of the different avenues that we look at from that community. And so we're breaking down into those subgroups now and doing a deeper dive, saying what assets do we have in that? and where are our opportunities, and with those opportunities, what are potential action steps? So we're just beginning that process now. I just had the first meeting today.
0: Well, that sounds like really great and valuable work. You can see how just starting a conversation in a community has led to really meaningful action, really in short order, seeing as that you all just started in February. How long does this initiative go on, or when do you
2: expect for it to conclude? Well, the grant project goes through May of 2020, and so at this point, that is our end point unless, you know, further funding comes available and we can continue to work on this process and and where it may morph and what we can do, you know, what's the next step, for instance. Medication assisted treatment is something that comes up up frequently that is lacking in these communities. And so is there something that we can do with that. So it's just something to think about of different resources that we could potentially tap into and further this movement.
0: You know, I'm thinking about the folks here in Iowa, and I know people have done similar type work, but what would be a couple key pieces of advice you might give others in different states or around the country who are looking to embark on
2: this type of work? I think the first piece of advice is to be flexible and to go with where the stakeholders are. So each community, like I said, it was a little bit different. And you know, going in with a rigid, this is the agenda that I'm going to use. I don't believe that the success would be near as uh, valuable or that we would get as much movement as we have. So I think flexibility is number one. And number two is just realizing that I'm not the expert, but I'm facilitating conversations with many experts and to really draw out and to be able to draw out that expertise and help them to think outside of the box and outside of their comfort zone.
0: Cindy, I think that that's great advice. And I can certainly see how, I mean, communities are a lot like families, you know, they're all different and they have different dynamics in play. And so one size certainly doesn't fit all, all the time. And so I think that that's great advice. Anything in closing that you'd like to share with our hospital audience on the core
2: program that we haven't touched on today? I guess one thing that I think about is that at this point in time, South Dakota is not one of the higher States with opioid abuse issues identified and treated. Um, that's not saying that we don't have the issue here because we certainly do. It's just not as highly identified as others but working at it from a prevention standpoint and hopefully never getting to the top of the list and just trying to avoid and prevent those issues would be my main goal. Cindy, thanks so much for being on the
0: podcast today and sharing a little bit of your experience and expertise with our hospital audience. You're doing great work. Thanks for all you do. Thank you for having me.